welcome one and all. It's day 26 on our 40-day tour through the Gospel of John. We're up to John 12. We're going to cover verses 27 to 50 today. So go ahead and open your Bibles there. When I was in seventh grade, uh, I was getting teased uh, a lot by some of my friends. And I'm, I think it was good natured uh, for the most part. But they found out that my dad was a pastor. And so they teased me for being super religious and being in church, you know, every day, all day and, and doing all these things. And so in order to try to, you know, fit in with the world, my response was, it was ridiculous, but I said something like this. I said, well, yeah, my dad's a pastor, but you know, he's a Lutheran. So it's not like we're all in or something like that. Of course we're all in. I mean, Lutheran started the whole Protestant Reformation. My dad was passionate about his faith. And underneath it all, I was passionate about my faith too. I just didn't want anyone to know it. I thought I could kind of merge two different things together, my faith in Jesus Christ with fitting in with the rest of the world, but that that never completely clicks. This is what's happening in John chapter 12. It's not just seventh grade boys. It's the religious leaders in Jesus' day too. It says in verse 42 of John 12 that they wouldn't admit that they believed in Jesus because some of them did. Most of the religious leaders were rejecting Jesus because they wanted to hold on to the status quo, their power and control. But it says here again that some of the religious leaders believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't admit it, admit it for fear that the Pharisees would kick them out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise, verse 43, more than the praise of God. And that's the problem, isn't it? It's a temptation for all of us on some level in some season of life where we have our faith or maybe we do believe, but boy, we sure don't want anyone to know it. We don't want to share it. And so we develop this comfortable little summary of what Christianity can be, which is this private thing. And we, and we even tell one another in our culture, hey, you know, that's your faith thing. Keep it to yourself. That's a private matter. Do you know that there's nothing in the Bible to suggest that that's a private matter? And there are thousands of passages in Scripture which remind us over and over again that it's actually a very public thing, our faith, and something to be shared. Keep the faith, yes, but don't keep it to yourself. But we do that because we're self-conscious. We're, we're concerned about maybe what other people will think by the way we live our daily lives. And sometimes it even happens in church. I have people tell me, said, you know, I just feel the spirit when I'm worshiping and I, I want to clap and I want to dance and I want to shout amen and I want to raise my hands up. And I say, go ahead. You're free to do that here. You're, you're free to be stoic too and, and just hold it inside if that's how you're wired up. If you go if you go to a football game and you're cheering for your favorite team and there's a touchdown and when it happens, you just kind of sit there and say, well, how about that? That's pretty great. And there are people like that, that maybe that's the way you should be worshiping. That's just natural excitement for you. It's, it's internal, not external. But if you give your loudest praise for a touchdown, but you don't give it for Jesus Christ and worship, something's wrong with that picture. And then we love human praise more than the praise of God. We're living for this world, a self-conscious life or a world-focused life instead of a God-focused or God-conscious life. Next time you come to worship, try it. Experiment with it. Say, well, what if I focused on glorifying God during the service instead of worrying about what anybody thinks of me? How would it change the way you worship? Even more importantly, how would it change the way you live your, in your day-to-day life? 
What if you weren't concerned about keeping faith to yourself? Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of all, not just for me. First the Jew and then the Greek, Paul goes on to say in Romans 1.16. And we're learning about that here. Jesus' heart is deeply troubled because people don't believe in him. And that breaks his heart. And it still does today. I'm sure of it. He's deeply troubled because he's completed these seven signs. And these are, in John's gospel say later, these are just some of the miracles that Jesus did. He did countless more. But these are the ones that John's gospel highlights. And these people saw him do these signs. They witnessed it, but they still didn't believe. And people heard what he said about who he is. I am the light of the world. But as it says in John 3, uh, after Jesus says, Nicodemus, God loves the world so much, he gave his only son, me, to you, Nicodemus, so that if you just believe in me, you won't perish but have everlasting life. A couple of verses later, Jesus goes on to say, so the light comes into the darkness of the world, but people prefer the darkness. Breaks his heart. My soul's deeply troubled because I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time to to bring the light into all the dark shadows of this world. I'm running out of time to lead people to this saving faith. And they're running out of time in order to believe in me. And so my soul is deeply troubled. And it's not like Jesus' ministry is a failure. Thousands of people who didn't believe now believe. They see the light. The other day I was was driving just to the store right here in our community. And as I was driving, I guess I had forgotten to turn on my headlights. It was at night. It was dark. And so people were probably flashing their lights at me and I was oblivious to it for some reason. Finally, I'm stopped at a red light and a car pulls up next to me and signals, roll down your window. So I did. He looks at me and he says, hey, your headlights are off. Turn them on. (laughs) What if I had said in that moment, "Eh, it's okay. I'm good. I prefer driving without my headlights on. I prefer the adventure of it, the, the risk of it, being my own boss, being my own light. That's what people are doing with the light who is Jesus Christ. And he sums up this teaching at the end of John chapter 12. He says, I am this light that shines into this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Follow the light. God sent this light into the world for us to shine into the darkness. The darkness can't extinguish it. By his grace, Jesus says, look, I came to bring light to the world. I came to save the world, not to judge it. So I'm not going to judge those who believe in me. That's all it ultimately takes. Believe in me. But don't obey all of my laws, all of my commandments. It's their loss. It's like they're driving without their lights on. But he goes on as the son of man. Remember, that's language from Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. That means he's the judge over the living and the dead. But as the son of man, Jesus goes on to say, in conclusion, All who reject me and my message will be judged because they have rejected the truth that I have spoken to them. The light shines and ultimately the light judges. And we're left at a point where we have to decide, am I going to keep driving with my lights off? Or am I going to turn them on? Or or more appropriately, am I going to follow the light who is Jesus Christ? Because then I can see. And that makes all the difference. We'll see you tomorrow. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using. That helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Bye.